Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market. Hey, North Texas food fans, welcome to Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News. Each week, we dish on the local restaurant scene, food and drink trends, cooking and shopping tips, and unpack everything that makes North Texas one of the most vibrant, diverse, and ambitious food scenes in the country. I'm your host, food editor Aaron Bookie, and today we have an action-packed show for you. We're talking Italian food with writers Claire Baller and Nick Rallo. We'll share some late-night dining tips as well, and then the food team does a taste test of the viral healthy Coke trend. It's going to be really fun, and it all gets started right after this. Central Market is really into food. Like fish flown in so fresh it still has jet lag into food. Our sourdough starter has been around since grunge was a thing into food. We're talking more prime cuts than a greatest hits album into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then we're the HQ for you. Whether you're a make-every-recipe-in-the-cookbook foodie or a my-favorite-recipe-is-reheat type who just digs the delectable, no place makes every day more delicious like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're so excited to have you here for our show. This is going to be a good one, so be sure to visit dallasnews.com slash food after this for detailed show notes of everything we talk about. And if you want us to answer your questions or talk about something specific, send us a voice memo via our form at dallasnews.com slash food or email us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. Later on, we'll be talking about Italian food and doing our first audio taste test. But right now we have food reporters Sarah Blaskovich and Claire Baller to talk about how to build a perfect burger and where to go for some late night dining that is not Waffle House, although we all love Waffle House. Hi, guys. How are y'all? Good. Hi, Erin. Hey. So first, let's get into burgers because I know summer is a big burger time, although any time of the year is burger time. But... um. Sarah, I know you've been talking about burgers a lot, and you talk to a lot of chefs about burgers. Yeah, that's right. I love a cheeseburger. I think Mm -hmm. it is close to the perfect food, but I feel strongly about what goes on a cheeseburger, and I feel strongly about what does not go on a cheeseburger. So before I tell you what I think is the perfect burger. Claire and Aaron, I want each of you to build your perfect burger for me. And keep in mind, you only get one shot. So (laughs) you can't say sometimes I have bacon or sometimes I swap the this kind of cheese for the that kind of cheese. You each get to build one perfect burger. This is high stakes. Claire, let's start with you. Oh, gosh. Okay. (laughs) What, What is the perfect burger in your eyes? So I, I, I like the classic I am pretty straightforward with my burger order. Um, good bun. Bread is everything. I mean, I mean, it goes for anything, right? Like you just need really good ingredients throughout. But really good bread um, that's preferably hit some heat. So it's like maybe been a little bit toasted or something. Um, and then I'm pro mayo and ketchup on my burger. Both. Both. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Standard patty, not too thick. I'm kind of over the burgers that you like cannot eat and need a, a knife and fork for. Yep. Um, cheddar cheese oh. over American for me. <laughs> and then 
lettuce and tomato, but I don't want sad lettuce and tomato. Like I'd rather have no lettuce and tomato if it's sad than sad <laughs> lettuce and tomato. Like I don't want a, a slice of tomato that was not ready to be eaten oh, yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Slimy. the lettuce has got to be crispy. And do you do shreddus or no. do you need a leaf? I would like a leaf. Okay. Yeah. I want everything to stay put. And then I love caramelized onions. Mm-hmm. On okay. Which is why I am pro in and out for Ooh. my fast food burger choice. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Great, Claire. Uh, there are no wrong answers here. That sounds like a great burger, except <laughs> there might be wrong answers when we get to what I think is perfect. Just kidding. Erin, uh, build yours for us. Okay. So first of all, I also like In-N-Out burgers. Okay. So it's just Sorry, what a burger. It's confession time here today on our podcast. <laughs> it's a safe space. Um, yes, it is. Safe space. I do love the In-N-Out burgers because they're not greasy. They're, um, you know, they're not too big. They're anyway. So building my perfect burger, um, I'm with Claire on the bread. It has to be toasted and, you know, throw some butter on there too. Why not? Yeah. Um, and I am a big fan of smash burgers. Mm-hmm. Um, I love all that crispy meat edge um, around the edge of a burger. Um, but I also like a lot of crunch. So I love all the veggies. Like I want iceberg lettuce. I want lots of pickles and raw red onions. Oh, yeah. I forgot about pickles. Sorry, Sarah. I'm adding <laughs> that to mine. Yeah, you can add pickles. Okay. 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 So, Erin, you like a lot of crunch and a lot of raw stuff. Yeah. Um, Claire, you like texture, but you want your onions caramelized. So yes. you get that sweetness. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, um, my perfect burger controversially has almost none of those things on it. Um, <laughs> I like... I don't love an overly toasted bun because I do not believe bread should be crunchy. I believe it should be mostly squishy, which is a controversial (laughs) take anyway, because I think this about all bread. Um, So I want a a squishy bun. I want two beef patties, pretty high in fat. I want like 80-20, two beef patties. And on the top of each one is one slice of American cheese. So it goes patty, cheese patty cheese there is Mm. possibly ketchup or mayo not both Mm. and an optional pickle but absolutely no other vegetables certainly not lettuce (laughs) definitely not iceberg (laughs) lettuce which is a is a zero lettuce if you ask me Erin this this is a lettuce with no personality no it is not allowed to the party um Claire, I agree that a tomato is good, doesn't belong on a burger. This is why we have ketchup. And then in no way is there a raw onion, purple or white, in my life, like ever, ever, not on a salad, not on a burger. A caramelized onion could be okay, but I prefer them on other things, not on a burger. So as I build my burger, and this is just me, you guys, but my burger is meat and cheese and a condiment. And, and none of that other business because I just think a cheeseburger is so perfect. It doesn't need all that stuff. Um, and the reason why this conversation came up again is because I went to P. Terry's in Austin. I ordered this sort of naked burger and I really liked it as a fast food burger. And a couple of people on Twitter were like either mad or heartbroken that I didn't put all the stuff you guys want on your burger on my burger. And I believe it would have made it less good. And I, let me just come out on shredded lettuce for a second. Shredded is, uh, first of all, it is made to fall in your lap while you're eating a burger 
in a gross way in your car. So that's just like it's the wrath of the shredded lettuce. But also um, it offers a watery texture and doesn't give enough crunch for personality and there's no flavor. So it's it's a never shredded lettuce on me. And I I I'll tell you you're wrong if for somebody who calls in to says they say they like shredded lettuce. That's that's incorrect. Okay, I do like shredded lettuce on certain things. But what? also Sarah, like I'm gonna like a, a a bloated Italian sub. You can't do like, big strips of lettuce on that. You can't. So you if you can't. have oil and vinegar on there, which I know you do because you like these things, yes, Claire, I, I think they might glue them in place, which yeah, could that's help. True. It, yeah, it, it has to be like the right, just like anything, again, the right context for it. I agree yeah. wholeheartedly. Shreddy lettuce does not belong on a burger. But also, Sarah, I'm going to push back on you. To me, ha- like I think you need the textural change in a burger which is what the vegetables offer. And also you're up against fat on fat on fat, which is great. But then I think you need things like the acidity of um, tomatoes and then like the vinegar hit in a pickle to like break it up and highlight the fattiness of a burger without like having that completely dominated. So yeah, I do agree with you on the pickle that the vinegar in the pickle helps and it also adds a crunch. But I'll, I'll also offer that I kind of like squishy food. Like, I'm not someone who needs a hard crunch on everything. I'm not a huge, like, chip eater if there's not, like, a reason to be eating them. You know, so I'm not someone who needs as much texture as I probably should. So you're, like, the opposite of Aaron, who I think, like, your favorite food is, yes. like, a potato chip, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think we should all start like yelling at each other and arguing like they do on the sports podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if we were ever going to do it, it's going to be over burgers because this is like serious business. Yeah, Sarah, I, I will say like at least you have the self-awareness to know that this is very controversial <laughs> yeah. and that yeah. like your burger order. Wow. Like I'm not going to tell you have to, how you have to enjoy a burger. Like, whoa, that's, you know. It's like it's it's childlike. It's, it's childlike. I, I know. But think about like if we all build our own burgers in our mind and then you like sit on your patio or you sit like wherever is like that happy place and you bite into your perfect burger. Mm-hmm. Like my perfect burger doesn't have all that stuff on it. And that like I'm smiling thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. So yeah. so okay. thank you for this discussion. For anybody who wants to know how the experts would make a burger, I asked three chefs. And on dallasnews.com slash food, there's an article with the headline, How Do You Build the Perfect Cheeseburger? We Asked Three Burger Obsessed Folks. Um, and in there, you can hear um, just a sneak peek, quote, if you fear it might fall apart if you put it down, then you did it right. It should be oh. so good, you wouldn't want to put it down anyway, unquote. So one of our three experts gave that tip. Another one said, quote, don't get cute, which I think is like (laughs) awesome because burgers are serious and they're can be perfect and don't get cute. But um, burger enthusiasts, I would love to hear. Uh, Write us at eat, drink at dallasnews.com or send us a voice memo. Tell us what your favorite burger is and who, if anyone, is wrong on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. That's awesome. I hope we get a lot of readers or listeners telling us what their favorite burger is. Okay, so moving on, we did hear from a listener recently who um, sent us a memo asking about where to find late night dinners. Here is BJ. Hey, ladies, this is BJ Cleveland with Uptown Players over at the Kalita Humphreys Theater on Turtle Creek. Listen, I have a question for you. 
being in the arts and being an entertainer, we're always looking for somewhere good to go have a late night dinner after a show, either on the weekends or even during the week, uh, late rehearsal night. What's a good place that's not fast food where we can go have a decent meal, even good comfort food late at night? It's going to be open past midnight. We have certainly had our fill of Denny's and Waffle House. You got anything else to recommend? Thank you so much, BJ. I agree that Waffle House is great, but it is interesting to um, look for other options. So, Sarah, I know you had some thoughts on why this is such a problem in finding late night dining options. And so we're talking about like really late night, not like 9 p.m., but like midnight kind of stuff. Yes. One tough thing, BJ, is that restaurant hours got all messed up during the pandemic. So one immediate thing that restaurant owners did when they lost employees or closed and reopened, and then when costs got higher, is they removed lunch They removed late night, and they often closed on a day when they used to be open, like a Monday or a Tuesday. The reason they did that is to focus their coveted employees on their most important times of day, like prime time for dinner on Saturday nights. So, BJ, this question is harder to answer than it used to be because we have fewer late night options during this part of the pandemic, and I think that will continue into the future. I've got a couple of ideas for you. Claire, I want to hear yours first. Yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of a tricky one if you're looking for non-fast food um, for late night options, but we actually do have some good options. Um, so the ones that I thought of are Delat, which is on Fitzhugh. It's open until 2 a.m. every day of the week. There is Lounge Here, which is like a bar sort of restaurant in East Dallas, um, and they're open until 1 a.m. on Fridays and Saturdays. And they don't offer their full menu that late, but they have like a limited menu for their late nights. Um, but it's has great stuff on there. And then there's Adair Saloon, which is also open until 2 a.m. every day of the week. And then um, there is Sundown at Granada, which is open until midnight on Fridays and Saturdays. So not quite as late as others, but also a good option. Yeah, those are great. Yeah, I would also, I also got a um, press release the other day from Toro Toro in Fort Worth um, saying they are working on pre and post theater options, dining options, which I thought was really interesting. Um, right now they have pre, uh, pre-theater pre dinners and they're currently working on post-theater dinners. So um, I thought that was, that was really cool. So be on the lookout. For, for their options. And Sarah, what were some of your, your late night spots? Well, we all know I love barbecue. And the original yes. Sunny Brian's on Inwood Road in Dallas is 24 hours, uh, seven days a week, which is just so cool. And say what you will about different styles of barbecue. It is very hard to get barbecue in the middle of the night, but you can <laughs> at Sunny Brian's. It's extra cool because it's next to UT Southwestern. So uh, folks in the hospital district, the medical district, might have a place to go if they need a meal in the middle of the night. A couple others, Cosmos in East Dallas. It has a wildly eclectic mix of Vietnamese food and pizza. Mm-hmm. And late night, they have a special menu so you can get egg rolls, chicken wings, spicy ribeye tacos, pizza by the slice, or all of those things together, depending on how you're feeling. Um, while you're there, I think there's a one-two punch. You go to Cosmos and you eat. And then you go around the corner to Lakewood Landing, which is one of Dallas's best dive bars. And in general, one of my favorite bars ever. From midnight to 1 a.m., they do corn dogs, which is awesome. And yeah. then they also sell some bar food like burgers and nachos. Um, you're going to hear from Nick Rollo later, but he, like me, is an East Dallasite. And uh, he'll co-sign on the awesomeness of Lakewood Landing. 
especially the middle of the night eating. Um, and then just one other option, it, it's pizza in the middle of the night if you want it. So you've yeah. got Sirius Pizza and Gapco. Their dining rooms are open until about three on Friday and Saturdays. And then um, Zalat Pizza delivers but is not open in the dining room until very late, depending on the location. Oh, so, BJ, cool. I hope that helps. Um, I, I understand you want to eat good food in the middle of the night and you don't want to keep going back to the same diner. So maybe we've got some ideas for you. Yeah. And there's um, pizza is always an excellent option for late night dining. That's what I always crave. All right. Thanks, guys. That was really fun. Stay tuned as we bring on writer Nick Rallo to talk Italian food with Claire. We'll be right back. Central Market is really into food. Like, when we say cheese, it's in 12 languages into food. Butchers, bakers, and sushi roll makers into food. We're talking so obsessive about quality you can shop blindfolded into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then let us turn your shopping list into a treasure map. Get inspired, get adventurous, or just get a chef-made dinner when you've got more taste buds than time. No place makes every meal more amazing like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. This is Eat Drink DFW. I'm Erin, and we're back with Claire Baller and special guest Nick Rallo, one of our contributing food writers here at the News. Hi, Nick. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Erin. Last time you visited with us, you talked about Italian food a lot, but we're going to ask you to talk about it even more this time. So, because um, we have Claire on here too. Claire, I know you have a lot of connections with Italian food and even studied cooking there for a while. And you recently went on a trip to Italy and we were all living vicariously through your Instagram posts. Um, <laughs> I wanted to eat everything that you ate, or at least can you just talk about it a little bit? What was your trip like? Yeah. So I'll preface this by saying I am not Italian, but I have close family that lives in Northern Italy. So I spend a good bit of time there. Um, but this trip we ventured down South um, instead of spending our, our time up North Um and we went to the Amalfi Coast area where absolutely everyone and their mother seems to be going <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, but so we spent a lot of time on the water, um, burned thousands of calories walking and, and hiking the hillside towns there um, and just ate so much seafood, which was kind of a different experience for me. I usually don't spend that much time um, on the coast when I am in Italy. And so this was a nice treat. Um, and then we traveled with our nine-month-old baby, which I will say <laughs> that, one, Italians absolutely love kids, uh, especially babies. They have, like, one of the lowest birth rates in the world. And oh, so babies are, like, a delightful treat for them. Um, wow. And two, Italy is a phenomenal culinary playground for a baby that is just learning to eat solids. So that was a really fun new way to experience Italian cuisine was through the eyes of a child who's um, just starting to eat real food. So it was super fun. Um, I'm excited to talk even more about Italian food after just being there and having it all really fresh in my mind. So um also very curious to hear all of Nick's thoughts, which I know he has many. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny, a funny counterplay that we we can have here because I am Italian, but I've only been to Italy once, uh, and this was a couple of years ago. I only I was lucky enough to go to Rome and Tuscany and some of the side little side towns there. Um, 
So that was my first experience. So I think this will be a fun back and forth. Awesome. So Nick, can you talk a little bit just about your your family history and where your family's from? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're, my family, to introduce it really quick, is the kind of Italian where my aunt from New York, whenever she comes down to Dallas, which is, you know, I wish she would do it more, but whenever she would, she comes down, she literally brings a bag, like a gallon bag of broccoli rob pasta in with her <laughs> luggage. Uh, in fact, sometimes, and I believe this is true, one time brought an extra suitcase just filled with pasta and treats from Ferrara's in, in Little Italy uh, nice. from New York. So my family on all sides is Sicilian. They all came through Ellis Island. Um, half my mom's family, um, her dad, my mom's father started her, her family started a restaurant in uh, Mount Vernon, New York, uh, a straight up Italian joint. And my dad's side went to Baltimore. Um, they were from Marsala and Palermo. And they opened a little diner off the Chesapeake coast right there in um, Annapolis doing like, you know, breakfast and burger stuff in the morning for the soldiers coming off the boat uh, oh, cool. in the harbor, which is cool. And I was lucky enough to be able to go to both places. So uh, food has always been around, but my family is very East Coast Italian. So I grew up with, like Claire was saying, a, a lot of seafood inspired Italian dishes were around like, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure later, but my, one of my favorite dishes ever, ever, like probably, you know, <laughs> a last meal of some kind is linguine and clams. Uh, which <laughs> up until recently, it was actually pretty hard to find in Dallas, mm-hmm. um, at least in a, in a way that tasted like home. So I grew up with those kinds of dishes and like, you know, Sundays was uh, my mom and dad arguing about whether it's called sauce or Sunday gravy. And then, (laughs) uh, you know, meatballs, sausage, Um, Sunday dinner was was always the like go all out garlic bread salad. So I kind of grew up with some the New York Italian classics is my my story. Yeah. And that's what I'm kind of interested in exploring here. Like what the different styles of Italian and how they've evolved over time, like coming um, to the States Uh, there's New York Italian and there's, you know, just that really American Italian food. Um, And then kind of what Dallas has compared with what, you know, Italians in Italy are eating right now. So what do you guys think about sort of Dallas and North Texas in general and our Italian food offerings here? I think it'd be, fun Claire to hear about what you feel like from your travels based on what's here because in the you know in the late 40s and 50s Italian communities moved to Dallas you know the ones that were all mobbed up <laughs> theoretically or allegedly you know with Savellos the ravioli making joint and Campisi's uh, those were all just like classic red sauce Italian you know Sicily passed through New York through to Dallas stuff but and it wasn't until very recently i believe that we even had something from another region it's just been lasagna pizza pasta you know right. and, the, and the super crazy wet salad with the pepper <laughs> yeah and like and 400 gallons of just liquid that you're not even sure <laughs> what it is the one pepperoni tons of parmesan just, it was that for the longest time 
but so now they don't serve have... that salad in Italy anywhere. <laughs> not that, I, wet salad not that, with that was also iceberg, by the way, Aaron. Yes. So, <laughs> the great iceberg is somehow made soggy. I didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So I think, um, you know, it, Italian cuisine, traditional Italian cuisine is very, very regional, hyper regional. Right. And here in the States, largely what you see is um, Italian American cuisine, which by and large is very much influenced from Southern Italian cuisine. And I think that's due to immigration patterns. I mean, you look at Nick's family, for example. And so you don't often see uh, cuisines that verge outside of that. You see, you do see a lot of Roman influence um, since that's just what a lot of people are familiar with as mm -hmm. well. I mean, you see that in like carbonaras and um, cacio e pepe and things like that on menus. Mm -hmm. But um yeah, like I said, by and large, what what I think most Americans understand as Italian cuisine is really Italian American cuisine, uh, based on lots of Southern Italian dishes. It is, I think, just more recently that we are getting restaurants here in Dallas that are cooking in the true Italian tradition. Um, and and focusing on very hyper regional dishes from various parts of of Italy, uh, mm -hmm. one place that comes to mind is Lucia. I mean, I think they do that mm -hmm. very very well. Um, you will see dishes that are also very hyper seasonal, which is how Italians eat. Um, they they often do not um, cook with things that are out of season, and so um, a place like Lucia, they they follow that as well closely. Um, but you don't often see things that are from Northern Italian uh, cuisine as well. Like, um, like for example, in the Tuscany region, a lot of their diet is, is things that are more foraged, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, very meat heavy, um, things like you, you see a lot of chestnuts come up uh, in there on their menus, which you just don't really see here. Right. Um, but yeah, so I, I think, I think that it's changing. I think that people are, are have more interest in regional Italian cuisine and I'm seeing mm -hmm. that more and more on menus often here in the States. You'll, you'll see a, uh, uh, you'll see a menu that has, um, that doesn't focus on one region specifically, but they might have like kind of a smattering of, of things. So they'll have, um, right. you know, they'll have artichokes in, in a very Roman style and then they'll have, um, you know, a very Southern Italian type of dish like with, with clams and, and things like that. Um, and so, uh, but I don't know, Nick, are you seeing that more where you're seeing kind of more variety in terms of regional cooking on on menus yeah it's funny that i think it's some of it is trend-based but lucia is one example of a place that's been representing north italy since they opened which was what a decade ago i guess mm -hmm. that they they opened and you know they're you know places like Gemma, which is leans french but they have dishes like a rabbit bolognese mm -hmm. that feels like north italy and obviously we've been it's Dallas has been pushing a little bit farther north with the pizza that it does, you mm, know, the mm -hmm. Naples, the Naples right. style 
things, but it's still so heavily Sicilian that I, it makes me really miss like places like Sprezza that Mm -hmm. closed. They used to have this, um, they had this pasta on the menu that had a ton of blue crab in it. And I just remember thinking that that was so impossible to find um, in Dallas. And it kind of made me sad just, I, I grew up with, seafood always in pasta or uh italian dishes you know seafood dishes as the main and my dad would make pasta as like the second um that was a kind of you know (laughs) one of the glorious things that i learned is that pasta is good as an appetizer i don't know (laughs) you should don't don't limit pasta to just one part of the meal it can be dessert too you could have pasta <laughs> after your meal if you want also all day long take this with you people yeah um no the it, i think that we've gotten more recently and people are interested in more certainly the roman style like you said with the cacio e pepe i i think i was at central market the other day and i saw cacio e pepe popcorn which i'm like okay mm. let's Let's all just slow down a little bit. I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's good, but obviously we have Italy now. And, you know, before that Jimmy's food store was the only place to get New York Italian food. I can't right. think of it. There wasn't anything else. Yeah. That and Savello's, which made raviolis on the spot, but that was like as old school as again, it was like beef mixture mm-hmm. inside of ravioli. I mean, like can't get old, older school than that. Yeah. And so talking about seafood, I know that's something that um, I think is missing here a lot. I yeah, mean, like obviously, we're not by an ocean. So, yeah. <laughs> so you know, we don't have um, as much access to the to the seafood. But what are some good seafood dishes that you found around Dallas, like your linguine and clams, Nick? Oh, yes. <laughs> um, I, I can jump in and say that I had it just recently at the new Carbone, which oh. is obviously a, a New York transplant. But and, and and I'm not saying this because I am Team Carbone's <laughs> right. apostrophe S as well. I love Carbone's, but <laughs> Carbone has a very good linguine and clams, and so does Nona, which is the um, uh, another one of Julian Barsati's restaurants. Um, yeah. That aside from Carbone's, but both of those have fantastic linguine and clams. That's amazing. Yeah, I know um, you've also talked about how your family does the Feast of Seven Fishes for, yes, for Christmas. Yes, we actually Yeah, and that has always just floored me, like seeing <laughs> menus that people have for Christmas with yeah. all of the different seafoods and like where they're sourcing them and, and all of that. Um, and I The closest like visual representation I've ever seen to my family style of cooking and I think this says a lot for Italian American culture is the jail scene in Goodfellas where they're cutting the garlic with a razor and making the sauce all in the same room. I mean, that's (laughs) that's the closest thing I've seen to accuracy for New York Italian family. And it's a bunch of guys in a jail. So that's kind of funny. But yeah, yeah, we we do that and the the fishes vary every year. Oh yeah. And so what is one of your favorite, like, christmas fish dishes yeah well my my grandfather this was a rest um a recipe that he made in the 50s back at his restaurant lincoln it was called the lincoln lounge in mount vernon but he made clams casino which i don't even think has italian origins but it was on the 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 lincoln lounge menu so he makes that 
for our Feast of Seven Fishes. And it's because the, the, the Italians, I think the, at least the Italian Americans I know are very generous with the word, with what fish is on Christmas. <laughs> uh, anything that touched water, I think sometimes is called fish, but uh, he made, he makes clams casino that are outrageous. They're just like my favorite thing. That's clams with, um, you know, cheese and breading, uh, breadcrumbs, you know, parsley, oregano, some herbs mixed up and baked all together. Oh. And it's just so, so good. And also one of those things where I, I don't think I've ever seen that on a menu in Dallas. That's a, that's a great example of a dish. That's Sounds like school. oysters Rockefeller a little bit. Right? Yeah. Yeah. A little, very much like that um, with clams and just a few extra um, veggies in there. It's, it's wildly good. Yeah. Cheese and breadcrumbs. Yeah. You can't go wrong there. Yeah. yeah. And so um, just to touch on the fresh pasta back on that for a sec, um, Nick, you're talking about eating that for appetizer. Like what are some, what are some pasta appetizers we should be eating? Ooh, yes. <laughs> I, will say, I don't know that I've seen any. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, I should edit to say that it, they might not be on the appetizer menu, but if you just say you want them as an appetizer, <laughs> okay, got then it. many restaurants will be excited to do it. And a good example would be at, um, in, Claire, please correct me if I sound like, you know, a guy born in Virginia when I say <laughs> some of these Italian names because I'm learning. Um, but at Pardonope, I've, we've done the ziti, the alaginovase um, oh. at Pardonope as like an appetizer, which is, you know, kind of like a bolognese, but except cooked with tons of onions down. And it's one of my favorite dishes in Dallas. Oh, um, wow. But we've also done, I've also done pizza as a starter, which is not good. <laughs> the white clam pie at Nona is like, I think one of the most oh. underrated pizzas in Dallas. It tastes exactly like East Coast stuff. It's like, uh, it's a, you know, white sauce um, with butter and oregano and tons of clams on, on a pizza. And it's so that good. That amazing. And unlike anything in, else in Dallas, really. As for the pasta appetizer thing so <laughs> i will say i've never really seen that but um it, it does kind of bring up a good point that italian dining is so very different than than how um, americans dine i mean the pace is different um it's typically built as a five course thing so you have your antipasti which is your your starters and those are usually fairly light um and then you have your Creamy, which is most often always your your pastas. That's where you find your pasta courses. Then your secondi, which is your like the the star of the show type of thing, which is where you find the the meat and fish. Um, and then contorni, which is the you think of it as sides, you know, which are typically um, cooked vegetables or um, legumes. You'll see legumes on there as well. And then dolci, which is dessert. And it's very much expected that you have minimum two of those, you know, so you're ordering off of from at least two of those categories. Um, it's it's not like a faux pas if you have a premi, just a pasta and not a secondi, but you, you definitely pick one of those along with an antipasti and a contorni. So I do love seeing that on restaurant menus here that kind of follow that a breakdown that many breakdown um, that's very much like typical Italian menu style. Um, 
and that's kind of an indicator for me as well of of not necessarily full-blown authenticity but just you know is that that's kind of an indicator of is this more italian american or kind of a more traditional italian restaurant just based on that yes yeah. So it's not fettuccine Alfredo. <laughs> on the, <laughs> that's yeah, not that, the indicator. That's, that's another one of those too that might might kind of tell you what you're in for, <laughs> along with balsamic served on mozzarella or given to yes. bread in. Balsamic featured predominantly in general. I mean, that's a very, um, very regional thing, balsamic. Apart from yeah. chicken pizza is probably a good. <laughs> yeah, chicken pizza. Um, <laughs> parmesan offered on top of things you know that's that's definitely oh. italian american um things like cacio e pepe can give you a pretty good clue too i mean if they're using anything other than pecorino or another medium-aged sheep's milk cheese um like cacio de roma it's you know it means they're kind of taking their own interpretation of things um, I'm going to start asking very detailed questions about the cheese now when I go <laughs> yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to start asking for more things to be Alfredoed. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? Just like lots of cream? Uh, yeah, I guess. It's, yeah. The- Which, you know, to be fair, so the Alfredo style is, I mean, it did originate in Italy. Um, right. Yeah. But now a days, like the American version of it is very much... Um, cream laden whereas really what that recipe started as is just butter and cheese with a really eggy doughed pasta mm-hmm. um and now it's and kind the of pasta become, water makes makes the magic yeah, exactly just like cacio e pepe but now mm-hmm. nowadays like i think what people think of as fettuccine alfredo is which not knocking it but it's just not no it's just not very traditional all right thank you so much guys for that we could talk about italian food um even more. Stay with us. Coming up in our next segment, Claire, Sarah, and I conduct our first audio taste test. That's right after this. Hey, listeners, this is Christopher Wynn. I'm the arts and entertainment editor for the Dallas Morning News. And that, thankfully, includes the food team that you're listening to right now. What I love about this beat is that food stories are people stories. Restaurants say a lot about who we are, our culture, and the health and well-being of our communities. If you want to help continue supporting this good work, it's easy. Just subscribe to the Dallas Morning News and become a member. You'll find a special offer just for listeners at dallasnews.com listen. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Eat Drink DFW. This is Aaron Bookie, your host, and I am here today with Sarah Blaskovich and Claire Baller. And we are doing a fun segment today that we're calling Taste Test. And we've done a lot of taste tests before in our offices with our food teams, but this time we're doing it for the podcast. And you can also see some fun behind the scenes video on our Instagram at instagram.com slash DMN food. So go check that out if you want to see how we get everything set up in the studio. But anyway, today for the taste test, we are are trying something that has gone viral on TikTok, I believe. It is the Healthy Coke, which is basically sparkling water and balsamic vinegar, which none of us have actually tried this yet. So you will be hearing us try it in real time. I'll let Claire and Sarah tell tell us what, what their expectations are. But Claire, do you want to tell us a little bit first about, since this was your idea, what did you see on TikTok and what is the, the trend? First of all, trying? I take no credit for <laughs> how this goes. But so there's this video that went viral on TikTok of this woman drinking a splash of balsamic vinegar Uh over ice 
with a sparkling water uh-huh. poured into it. And she said that it is a drink that her Pilates instructor introduced her to that she drinks every day. And it is a Coke alternative. Okay. Which just seems hmm. ridiculous. But she said she swears that it tastes just like Coke and that it's so good. And so now the internet is like ablaze with people trying this and just drinking bubbly vinegar water. <laughs> so I guess we'll try it and see what we think. So in that video that went viral, she uses a guava LaCroix. Okay. But <laughs> she and others who swear that this tastes like Coke say that you can use any fizzy water, which doesn't compute to me. Yeah. But I guess we'll give it a try and see what we think. Also, for the record, I am not a Coke drinker. Okay. I'm not really a soda drinker. So I, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see uh, what my palate thinks of this. But um, you guys might be a better judge of if it actually tastes like Coke. There's no way it's going to taste like Coke. Yeah. No way. Sarah, what do you think? This is to me like a, it seems to me like a gut health drink to start somebody's day. And I think calling it healthy Coke before trying it, seems like the world's most massive leap. (laughs) Like perhaps this is just something that people could or should drink, but does it really taste like Coke is my problem. Right. So we shall be the judge of that, but I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of like cauliflower crust pizza. Like, does it really, does that really taste like pizza? And do we call it pizza? Right. Just call it a cauliflower flatbread or something. Like it's a different thing. Yeah. Okay, great. So Claire bought us some glasses with some ice. So first you need a glass with some ice. And she even has like cute, stylish straws that we can use, which is awesome. And so, Claire, what do we do first? Do we put the balsamic vinegar in first or the sparkling water? I've seen mixed things. I guess if we're going to like do this by the viral video, then we would do what she does, which is okay. um, balsamic vinegar first. Okay. And she says just a splash of it. That also seems like very much open for interpretation. And did you bring like um, your best balsamic vinegar? Uh, I'm sorry you know, I asked you to bring it. That's okay. Because <laughs> you have the good stuff. Oh, it smells good. I mean, but also like if you're going to be drinking straight vinegar, yeah. it might as well be good. Yeah, that's right? true. That's okay. very true. Don't so, use cheap vinegar. Is that too much? <laughs> oh, God. Okay, that will be mine. I think that's I don't fine. Know. That seems it like looks a like Coke. It looks like Coke <laughs> it already. Should we try the guava first? Maybe let's, maybe let's do it the way she does it. Maybe okay. let's do the guava and see. All right. Oh so God. we're opening a guava flavored LaCroix, which yes. I think we can all agree is one of the worst ones. I don't think I've ever had <laughs> It. It's why look, mm. I'm hating on this guava sparkling, mm. but if that was like a, Natural like essence. a seltzer, like a, like a alcohol seltzer, it would be my favorite. <laughs> so, all right. I don't know how much to each is. his own. So Claire is filling the glass maybe halfway. Uh-huh. This is not precise. This. Ooh, and the, the vinegar is stuck at the I have bottom. More in my car. It's, it's like clear on top and brown on the bottom. Yeah. Mm. It's not cute so far. No, okay, so take one and stir it up. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna take this one that looks like it has like yeah. the most in it. <laughs> okay. Guys, I'm I'm not a bartender. <laughs> I should not be. <laughs> yeah, yours Aaron, yours is dark. Oh yeah. Oops. You got the big pour. I did. All right, I think I'm the one who likes this the least. Likes yeah. the idea yeah. of this the least. So I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> I, like this suspense is killing me. Okay, it is not syrupy like I thought it yeah. was going to be. I was upset about the texture and it's not syrupy. It Oh, it's not terrible. Oh my gosh. I would drink this if I didn't have another option. Wow. Well, Instead okay. of not drinking nothing, I would drink this. Well, okay. Wow. It's medium praise. Yeah, and do you normally drink Coke or sodas or anything like that? I only drink soda if it's with alcohol. 
Okay. That's the rule. Okay. Now, does it taste like Coke? Not really, but does it taste like some sort of fizzy something? Totally. Something. Hmm. Claire's turn. It doesn't taste like soda at all. <laughs> I don't think that tastes like Coke at all. It's not bad, right? but it's not Coke. It's not Coke. Yeah. Um, okay. I saw someone describe it uh, on TikTok as salad dressing water, <laughs> which is not. Don't you think it's better than that? Yeah. Yeah. Erin hasn't tried it yet. She's okay. like, I don't know. All right. Okay. My turn. Okay. I don't really taste the vinegar. I just taste the guava Which LaCroix. Which is shocking because you seem to have a lot. Yeah. Compared. And I'm, maybe maybe the ice has watered it down a little bit, but you're right, it, Sarah. It's not terrible. No. Like I'm but drinking it. <laughs> My husband drinks a shot of vinegar every day. What? Is it the apple cider vinegar? Any of it. Okay. What? Swig of swig of pickle juice. I don't think he that. loves loves something wildly acidic. Yeah, and and a lot of people say it like settles your stomach. I just think he likes the taste, mm-hmm. honestly. But one of my problems with that is that it's such a concentrated vinegar taste that it it kind of kills me. Right. And this is not. This is a vinegar drink that is not a concentrated vinegar taste. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it definitely does not taste like vinegar, like I thought it was going to be. No, balsamic is usually really strong. Yeah, and you get that from it. Uh, I also am someone who is like kind of obsessed with vinegar. Uh Like I want it on my sandwiches. Mm -hmm. I always joke that I could drink it. I never intended to actually drink it. (laughs) Now you know that you can. Now I know that I can. And it's actually not bad, but it's not Coke. Yeah, no, it's not Coke. It it looks kind of like Coke because it's got that amber color so it looks like you're drinking and maybe that's it maybe it's like a psychological thing right if you would drink coke you know you can make this concoction that looks like coke and right feels like coke is 100 not so i've got to wonder because the sparkling water is a huge part of this it's at least two-thirds three-quarters sparkling water and I've established that the guava by itself is probably gross, but if it was Topo or San Pellegrino mixed with this, we need to try these next because yeah. those don't impart a flavor and right. they impart different bubbles. So the San Pellegrino is going to be like a medium bubble mm-hmm. and Topo is known to be the bubbliest of sparkling water. That's interesting. And so I wonder if that like extra dancey quality of the Topo Chico Makes elevates it, it. Uh-huh. but will we be for the first time in my life, missing the fake guava flavor yes. from <laughs> well, the LaCroix. Think, well, I think it's the sugar too. Like, I mean, is there any sugar? It in says the not, but I mean, of course, I think just like naturally tastes a little bit sweet. But also, I think we need to put a little bit more balsamic. Okay. Okay. Should we pour new should glasses? We, yeah. Should and we try, try new sparklers? With the San Pellegrino or the Topo? Maybe let's both. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Let's do it. This is going to be the. Grosser one, probably, because there's no ice. <laughs> Guys, I think I put way too much. Okay, Claire. Yeah, Claire's eyes cheers. just went huge. Okay, yeah, cheers. Okay. Cheers, everyone. <laughs> oh. Wait, guys, This smells like a cup of vinegar. <laughs> this one's different. It also doesn't have <laughs> guava. Can poured, I just say? Yeah. It was really fizzy, though. It looks like Coke. Like, when you poured it, it oh. had the foam. <laughs> no. It's so awful. Oh. Oh. That's the Topo Chico. It's not bubbly enough. Mm. Not at all. Oh There's God. a lot of things kind going of like on. It. <gasps> <laughs> Tell us more. I'm not like a sweet person, okay. so I don't like sweet stuff. And I don't think I'm ex- as extreme as Chase with the drinking vinegar, like uh-huh. straight, but I do like vinegar. Like I do do like the apple cider vinegar stuff. It, it kind of um, <sighs> is very apple cider vinegary. Right. Yeah. It's diluted. I would drink we are also I'd drinking this now without ice, mm-hmm. which is 
a problem. Problematic. Yeah. Ooh. I think it would be, <laughs> you don't have to keep drinking. I, I feel like, <laughs> like my nose hairs have been burned off. I just like, oh, my face hurts. It's very intense. I don't like, like that at all. a little bit. Should we try it with the San Pellegrino? Okay. Yeah, we can try that. I have to believe that maybe it could be better. You think? Yeah. The Topo, well, it's interesting how you said you want it, it needs more fizz, but Topo is the supposedly the fizziest You're one, You're exactly right? right. Where did the fizz go? Yeah. It, it, it's like the vinegar evaporated. stole it. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm. true. Um, also, I don't have any more cups, so you have to, you have to like, finish yours? chug one of yours. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. So now we are going to try a third concoction. This one is... Uh, balsamic vinegar and what was it? The San Pellegrino we're going to try. Yeah. Which is supposedly a little less fizzy than the topo. Okay. Aaron, and we have ice in this one too. Yeah. You, I'm going to have you pour. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I thought you were doing a good job. Claire. Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, you're well, fine. We'll mix it up. It's like just that. so weird to watch vinegar be poured yeah. into a into glass, a glass of ice that we yeah. are going to drink, but it's kind of like, it is a little kombucha. -y. Yeah. Do you drink kombucha? Sarah? So I don't drink kombucha because I don't think I love this vinegar flavor. Okay. We should have said that a long time ago, Claire. Yeah. You're exactly right. And I, Someone I do who like likes kombucha. kombucha would love this, I think. Yeah. I, I do like kombucha. I would still drink kombucha over this. Right. But um, I think I don't hate it because I like kombucha. Like I, I, I like uh -huh. that flavor profile. This is definitely, so I'm pouring the San Pellegrino and it is definitely less fizzy than the Topo. This, this looks very Coke-like. Yeah. It really does. We'll give Sarah extra water since she does not like this. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Stir mine up a little bit. Stirring is a good idea. Get all the guava flavor off the straw. And just for ceremony, let's do another cheers. Oh, right. yes. For sure. Cheers, ladies. Cheers. <laughs> Claire, you first. This doesn't really taste any different to me, I think. Well, maybe it actually seems a little fizzier. Somehow. Hmm, maybe no? it's the ice. I don't know. I do like it with the ice. Yeah, you have. Okay, yeah. For everyone, anyone, not everyone, certainly everyone doesn't want to try this. For anyone who does want to try it, don't drink it without ice. Yeah, that was a mistake. Which, I mean, that just that's just obvious, but just don't do it. Yeah, this is not better. Mm -mm. Okay. Same to no. you, Sarah. I think the first one with the guava yeah. LaCroix had some character. Mm -hmm. And while we should all agree that is not Coke... <laughs> It was a fizzy drink, quite yeah. low in calories that someone could enjoy and maybe it would make their tummy feel good. These two without that flavor, so the San Pellegrino and the Topo mixed with the balsamic vinegar, I can't get behind either of these. I, th I think it's a tasteless, gross beverage. And that's all the time we have for Eat Drink DFW this week. Thank you all for joining and I hope we've made you hungry for more. Also, we want to hear from you some more. We want to know what you're eating, drinking, trying, and loving, and we want your questions too. So fill out our form at dallasnews.com food or email us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. We'd love to share your thoughts on a future episode. The show is produced by Natalie Kalmungun. To stay up to date on every episode of this show and hear more from our newsroom, just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please rate the show and give us a good review. Find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com slash listen. You'll also find a special membership offer there just for listeners. For the news, I'm Erin Bookie. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.